decades now, producers have been creating the music for lots of musicians and making it sound amazing. But did you know the dark underbelly of producing (laughs) music? In today's episode, we're going to discuss two producers who are very bad humans and did dark, disturbing things. This is going swimmingly. Right? For every happy song is a dark, dark story. You don't even know the half of it. That was terrible. No, that was spot on. Yeah. In tonight's episode, we're going to tell you guys the true stories behind the songs that you love so much. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, that's what we're going to do. Yeah, that's it. That's what we're going to do. Welcome to Rock Candy. Where we try to imitate other really bad true crime podcasts. Yeah, but no one else. We're just making fun of them. no, No one else thinks they're bad. It's just us. I'm Aggie. I'm Ashley. And we're going to read you five-star reviews first before we get going. <laughs> I can't. I fucking can't. Stop reading me your five-star reviews. I don't care. I don't care if somebody likes you. That's, that's not going to make me like you. It's incredibly pretentious. Right? Who does that? Every celebrity podcast ever. What psychos are doing this? <sighs> I don't know. I don't know. Very popular podcasts do it. Because they need the attention. We are going on a rant. It's been a it's been a week. Well, celebrities have nothing better to do right now than to start podcasts. So and take away from like indie podcasts. Hey, you know what? If there's anything I want anybody to take away from this episode, it's gonna be, um, listen to indie podcasts like us. Yeah, or even just like any of our friends or anybody else on our network. Like, listen to a podcast by people who are doing this because they love it and yeah. are trying to be good at it, not because they have. Hundreds and thousands of dollars to keep them afloat for the rest of their lives, and they have nothing else to do right now. And hundreds of thousands of followers on their Instagram. Yeah. Also, like, don't go to a celebrity's OnlyFans. Like, <laughs> actually go to a real human who has been, like, doing OnlyFans for, like, a year or two and are really putting effort into it. And could really use the money, and that's why they're doing it, so. Sorry, Disney star- stars don't need the money. No. So, do you know what? I'm just, I'm mad. I'm starting off mad. I'm sick of rich people. I'm sick of celebrities. And I feel like this really ties into at least my story and probably yours because I'm sick of rich people. Yeah. Yeah, it kind of does, I guess. Yeah, Eat the rich. Yeah. If there's anything I want you to get get from this, guys. And then barf them up and set them on fire. Ooh. Can you you set fire to vomit? Uh, Sure. You can set fire to anything with lighter fluid. (laughs) Fair enough. Yes, we are bringing you our classic patented true crime in music episode, because, you know, it's that's October. not done. It's October. And, but it's October. Know. Yeah. And and we like talking about spooky And you know things. what? We still like true crime. So, you know what? Fuck it. But I think we're just going to mostly get mad in this episode. Yeah. Isn't that every episode? <laughs> I don't know if it's like a man thing and a woman thing, but I feel like at least with women in true crime, we spend most of the time just getting really angry. Because either you're fucking it up and you're like, dude, you could get caught. You got caught yeah. because you were dumb. Or you're like, you're a piece of shit and you should have never been born. Yeah. That's been, yeah, no. I've been really on that kick of like, I hate you. <laughs> I've had it. I've had it. Officially. officially. 
And to get us even angrier, because we definitely needed more alcohol in our bodies, we are drinking awestruck cider. Yeah, hometown homicider. Hometown homicider. <laughs> it's a pumpkin cider, and it's actually really good. It is really good. Most, You're getting me back into ciders. Most of the stuff that I've had from them has been too sweet. Oh. Because even like a little bit of sweetness, I just don't like. Right. But I feel like this, it's sweet, but it's not sweater sweet. I think it um tricks you into thinking that it's sweet because it's a little pumpkin spicy, mm-hmm. but it's not super spice. Mm-mm. It's pretty good. It's more pumpkin than spice, which yeah. is the right way to do that. It's a nice fall time cider. Mm. It does make me feel Can like make I'm... a nice mold cider with that. Oh, shit. It's mold cider season. Yeah. Like, I didn't realize how easy it was to make mold cider till last night. And you I was literally like, put it in a saucepan and toss heat it in up. spices. Toss in spice. Let profit profit <laughs> yeah there you go and it's delicious so what we need you kids to do is make yourself some old cider mm-hmm. kick your feet up and then get prepared to get angry and throw the footstool that you put your feet on and then throw the mug of mold cider and then be like oh fuck that was the last mug of cider now i have to make more and i want to get up yeah and then just keep listening and then just be like oh, fine I'm yes. burnt out. <laughs> we are. We are. Guys, it's uh, been a weekend. We had a very fun weekend, but like, I kind of just want to plant myself on my couch with some old cider. Do we want to We wanna jump into this? Yep. Some spoopy stories? Yep. All right. Let's go. All right. I won the coin toss, so I'm going first. Toy toss. Toy toss. Yeah. So I'm going to tell you the story of Lawrence Horn. Lawrence Horn. Lawrence Horn. Lawrence Lorn. If you don't know who he is, there's a really good podcast called Hitman that I got a lot of information from. Oh. It's it's good. Like it's not the best. I stopped listening before I before it was done. Oh. But I got all the information I needed. <laughs> it was it was okay. It's one of those podcasts where you're like you can listen to it. Like I have a bunch of podcasts like that where I, I listen to the meat and usually I'll throw out the crust of the yeah. bread. Yeah. They kind of jump all over the place a little bit, so it's not super in order, but it, it's fine. That's weird. Who would ever do that? I don't know. <laughs> hmm. Weird tangents in the middle of things? That's, I don't know. That's bizarre. I don't, I don't know about that. Can't follow the information? I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> maybe, maybe we should read some five-star reviews because it's totally not us. It's not us. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Lawrence Horn, for all intents and purposes, was a pioneer. We'll give him that. Okay. He revolutionized Motown and was a big factor in its success. But we all know how hard the mighty fall, and Lawrence Horn fell the farthest. Ooh. And the hardest. Because, like, there's some bad people in Motown. Yeah. Looking at you, Joe Jackson. Is that his name? The Jackson Five's dad was Joe, right? Yeah, it was Joe. Yeah, fuck him. Yeah, fucking weirdo. (laughs) This is why we can't have nice things, Joe. Yeah, looking at you, Joe Jackson. Lawrence Horn started his career in music pretty humbly as a DJ on the World War II aircraft carrier USS Lake Champlain. Oh. Don't be confused, he was not in World War II. But did he live on Lake Champlain? No. Well, this, now I'm just confused. That's just the name of the boat. The I'll boat like was it. named after Lake Champlain. Fine. But it's an aircraft carrier. It doesn't fit in Lake Champlain. <laughs> Oh, that's fair. <laughs> they should have named it uh, Champ. 
Why did oh, you need champy. a champ? Anyway, at only 24 years old, he got a job as a sound engineer at Motown Records in Detroit. And this was the early 60s when Motown was the hottest ticket anywhere. He saw himself working with great musicians like Marvin Gaye and the Supremes and often collaborated with legendary songwriter and producer Barry Gordy. Lawrence was so good at sound engineering that he oversaw the mixes of almost all the Motown songs released from 1964 to 1967. Wow. His techniques were unprecedented in a time when a four-track analog tape recorder was the height of technology. Analog. Hand log. <laughs> oh, Hannah, your log. Sorry, I just I needed that. <laughs> I needed to lighten up the mood for true crime. Yeah, he would basically take three tracks and layer them on top of each other to create a lush sound that came to be called the sound of young America. Oh, he left Motown in 1968 to join Holland Dozier Holland, a former Motown songwriting team that was caught up in a royalties court battle with Motown, allegedly. Lawrence was fired from Motown for secretly recording sessions and giving them to Holland Dozier Holland. I keep thinking you're going to say Holland Oats. <laughs> but also, so wait. So was he giving them recordings? Allegedly. Hmm. I don't know. All right. Could None be. of us really know. We don't. Anyway, that's not the crime. No, that's not. <laughs> that is definitely Wait, so not the, the crime. crime. This is so much. This End is of lighthearted. <laughs> and we're all done. <laughs> we figured it out. He was giving them samples. And we're yep. done. Back to you, Maggie. <laughs> all right. Well, I'm going to talk about murder. Uh, <laughs> Whether he actually did that or not, he joined HDH and had a bright career throughout the 70s. He was making bank, too. As a key member of recording these insanely popular songs, he was raking in the cash and creating a pretty posh lifestyle for himself. Fancy mm-hmm. cars, mansions, private jets to New York, expensive dinners. He had it all. Like the minute he got money, he's like, I'm going to spend all of this. Why would yeah. I save it or invest? Yeah. Why bother? Right. Like, just fucking spend it. I'm always going to be making a lot of money. Yeah. Yeah. He had a great woman at his side, too. He met Mildred Marie in 1972 on a first-class flight to Los Angeles. Well, that's where you meet the ladies. She was a flight attendant. Ooh, first-class flight Mm -hmm. attendant. The couple married only a year later in August 1973, and by 74, their family grew by one when their daughter Tiffany was born. So everything's coming uh, coming up his way. Everything's coming up, Larry. All right, great. End of story. (laughs) But Lawrence's grand life wouldn't last forever. Only six years after they married, Mildred and Lawrence grew apart and separated in 1979. Hmm. Though they were estranged and eventually filed for divorce in 1981, they still continued civil communication because of their daughter, Tiffany. Like you do. Their divorce was long and drawn out and was full of ups and downs. During one particular upside, Mildred found out that she was pregnant with twins. Oh, with his twins. His twins. So there was a little bit more than civil conversation in regards to the more like civil boning. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? (laughs) We're going to fuck, but we're only doing this civilly. Yeah. We're not. We're going to have straight faces. No smiling. Oh, yeah. No, no enjoyment of this fucking. Tamiel and Trevor were born on August 8th, 1984, 12 weeks premature. While Tamiel was a healthy baby, Trevor had underdeveloped lungs and suffered from various other medical issues, and so was disabled because of it. 
And things were made worse a year later when an accident left Trevor in even worse condition. Oh, no. Well, at Children's Hospital in Washington, I think it's Washington, D.C., because that's where they lived, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> well, in sh- while at Children's Hospital in Washington, receiving treatment for his already problematic disabilities, a nurse failed to notice that a respirator tube had come dislodged. <gasps> And Trevor was deprived of oxygen for 90 minutes, <gasps> causing severe brain damage. Oh, my God. Now he was paralyzed in a quadriplegic, blind and deaf, and now required round-the-clock care. Holy shit. I hope they sued for a ton of money. Well, we're getting there. Oh, no. Meanwhile, Lawrence's life was going down the shitter. He and Mildred finalized their divorce in 1987, but continued battling over custody and visitation rights, even though by everybody else's accounts, he did not give a shit about his kids. Interesting. He did not want anything to do with them. So you might almost say it's a bizarre power move. Yeah. To look like he's a really good dad. Yeah. Suddenly, he was faced with paying child support for three children one of which required expensive medical care. Well, it's a good thing he put a lot of money in investments. <laughs> it's a good thing he saved all yeah. that money. He left his job at HDH in 1983 and went back to Motown, following the company to Los Angeles when they uprooted from Detroit. Because now, well into the late 80s, Motown wasn't so hot anymore. Mm. The company moved to California to rekindle the magic of previous decades, but it wasn't working. And Lawrence's position at the company gradually lessened until he was merely a part-time li- tape librarian, <gasps> barely making enough money to survive with $16,000 due in back child support. Woof. Yeah. What? Woof. Wow. So. And $16,000 was in late 80s money, which translates to like $29,000 today or something that's like that. Lot, you know what? That's still a lot of debt. That's, Still not great. That's a lot of child support you haven't been paying. And also, sir. like, yeah, that's a lot of child support, and you're also broke. Yeah. So, but doesn't Motown Records kind of have a resurgence with, like, ba- I thought, I could be wrong, but I thought bands like Boys to Men were on Motown? No, I don't believe so. Huh. I thought they kind of had, like, almost a resurgency kind of thing. They just had a song called Motown Philly. Is that what you're thinking of? I mean, I don't want to say <laughs> yes, but maybe. I mean, I don't think that they were on Motown Records. I don't even know if Motown existed at that point. It probably didn't. <laughs> I think I just thought Motown and <laughs> they were on Motown <laughs> Records. <laughs> it's fine. Uh, it's back again. That little East Coast swing. Okay. Meanwhile, in 1988, Mildred took up a malpractice suit against the hospital that caused her son's brain damage. Good. Actually, my notes are wrong. Both Mildred and Lawrence were in this malpractice suit. Right. And that makes sense. Like, both parents both deserve whatever comes out of that. The Horns won with $2.3 million going to a trust fund in Trevor's name, which he would only be able to access when he turned 18. But since Mildred was his uh, guardian and parents, she was able to access it, too. Okay. Plus, Mildred got over $322,000, and Lawrence received $125,000. Okay. All right. 
That seems fair. That is a nice chunk of change. Right. Mildred was prudent with the money. Her health insurance was paying for Trevor's 24-hour care and multitude of hospital stays and home health care workers. Yo, what health care she got? Right? Who, Who is she boning to get that deal? <laughs> I don't know. Blue Cross Blue Shield. Is she a president? Is she a <laughs> senator getting that free, free health care? That they're all really against everybody Are they else getting, in America getting? Um, some of that experimental cocktails of drugs or something? I mean, you know, I trust she's at least calling it the right name. <laughs> she would call it the right name. Because she's a smart, independent woman. Yeah. But because insurance companies are greedy liars, Trevor's quote-unquote lifetime coverage ran out, and Millie had to start paying for his medical care out of his settlement money. And Lawrence saw his own bank account dwindling. Despite receiving $125,000 from the settlement, it all went to paying off debts and child support. Yeah, that's fair. Then in 1990, he was fired from Motown. Dude was broke and unemployed, but he had a really terrible and deadly plan to get that cash money. Why don't you just get another job? Nah. I mean, you probably paid off most of your debts with that settlement money yeah but then you're just racking up debts again because you don't have any more money yeah i don't know get a job (laughs) i don't know get a job maybe you know get a job or you could get a job you could also get a job you could get a job i mean can't you get a job at like another record company however this is also the republican years this is Wait, Reagan. Ashley, whatever do you mean? This is, you know, those, those trickle-down economics. Which were totally like, worked. It was just really working, and mm-hmm. he was just, like, standing there at the bottom, just, like, waiting for it to trickle down. Yeah. So, you know, you just have to keep waiting for it to trickle down. Yeah. And then everything just happens for you. Right. So you don't have to do anything. Nope. You just wait for it to trickle right on your face. <laughs> Nice little line of trickle. Don't worry. The Republicans are going to trickle all over your face. You just have to sit and wait for it. That's why you need to keep voting for them. Yeah. I mean, it's just going to take like a while to work. You know, I mean, this shit takes like, you know, 50 years or so. So we're 10 years away from it is what you're telling me is we have to wait 10 more years and we're going to get trickled all over our faces. We would only have to wait 10 years if it weren't for those commie libtards in between those great Republican Mm. presidents. So now we got to wait like another 30 years? Yeah. Ugh. Yeah. So wait 30 years. All right, Larry. Just consistently vote for Republicans. Yeah. And their trickle-down economics. And 30 years from now, man, our buckets are going to be full. So, Larry, you just sit there and wait. It's coming to you. Going to have buckets full of trickle. Yeah. It's coming hard. Trickle buckets. Trickle buckets. Anyway, now that that rant is over. Yeah, let's go back to murder. (laughs) At 2 a.m. on March 3rd, 1993, 3393, Lawrence's ex-wife, Millie, or Mildred, their son, Trevor, and Trevor's overnight nurse, Janice Saunders, were all killed in Millie's family home in Silver Spring, Maryland. Holy shit. Millie was shot in the right eye and twice by her chin, and Janice was also shot in her right eye. What the fuck? Trevor, however, was smothered to death. His respirator was unplugged, but since it was only for supplemental oxygen, he didn't 
he didn't rely on it. He didn't die right away. Oh, Jesus Christ. So the killer put a hand over his tracheostoma and another over his mouth until he passed. And suffered. He uh, smothered him to death. Honestly, you are better off just shooting him because he can't see. He can't hear. He has no fucking idea, he has what's, no going idea on. what's going on. He just knows he's dying. Yeah. Kill him. Just kill him so he has no idea that he's even dying. Yeah. I don't think this guy really gave a shit. Oh, probably not. You don't say. Yeah. Weird. The only reason the other daughters, Tiffany and Tamiella, weren't also killed was because they weren't in the house at the time. Mm. Tiffany was away at school at, at Howard University, and Tamiella was staying with Millie's sister, Vivian, only a few houses down the street. Now, at this point, how old were the twins? Eight how old years was old. Trevor? He's fucking eight. Yeah. So you didn't shoot him because you wanted to be merciful? I don't know. I think they thought that if they just unplugged the respirator, he would just die from lack of oxygen. Mm. And I thought, I think they thought that would happen almost immediately. Right. But then they're like, oh, he's still breathing on his own. What do I do? Okay, I guess I'll just smother him because he's a kid and he shouldn't be shot to death. Which I always think is weird because I think... Is it strangling somebody more painful like, and more? It's scarier. It's more because intimate. You see it's happening. It's more intimate because you're doing it with your hands. You're yeah. up close to them. Yeah. Like he could have stood far away and just shot, you know? But I mean, it's like you're killing a kid. So at this point, what, what do you, what's your method? Yeah. Like, why is your method really all that? Just shoot them. Yeah. And so they don't have to suffer or be scared. The forensics showed that. The killer shot Mildred and uh, the the caretaker, mm-hmm. like, at point-blank range. Jesus. So you can shoot a woman in the face in, at point-blank range yep. three times, but... Actually, you know what? Then that makes sense that you could just strangle a child and look at it and be like, I I'm so. murdering a child. Yeah, I guess. This is great for me. Vivian, Mildred's sister, found the bodies about five hours later. And it was a gruesome scene. The house was ransacked and the 22 caliber murder weapon was found in pieces strewn across the yard. I feel like that's a dumb way to leave it. Yeah. Yeah. It's like the the logic here was, well, if I break it apart, then they'll never find it. You couldn't go like, I don't know, into the next town and throw it out at like a Wendy's dumpster. Or at least like toss it in a sewer grate or something. Anything? Anything. Yeah. Anything would have been better than that. But yeah. At first, the police thought it was a robbery gone very wrong. But once they did a little digging, things didn't seem so cut and dry. Mm. Turns out, if Millie and Trevor both died, Lawrence would be set to inherit the remaining $1.7 million from Trevor's trust fund. That's pretty tempting for a guy whose girlfriend is paying his rent. Okay, yeah, I guess. Wouldn't you know it, in 1992, he became friends with a guy from Detroit named James Perry. James was a street preacher and hustler and all-around sketchy guy, and he was the perfect candidate for a hitman. How can you be a street preacher? You just stand on the street and scream at people about God. And then murder people. Because crazy? It's almost like religious people tend to be hypocrites. And a little bit overzealous about stuff. Weird. 
Lawrence hired James to do the deed, advising him to buy a book called Hitman, a technical manual for independent contractors, which totally <laughs> sounds like a carpentry book. Yeah, actually. The book, written under the pseudonym, pseudonym Rex Farrell, was intended to be a manual for prospective contract killers. However, it was rumored to have been written by a divorced mom that read too many crime novels. Also believable. I would say more believable. Yeah. She would know better. Yeah, if that's that's yeah. her favorite pastime. Right. James Perry read the book, took the job, and committed the nefarious deed. Jesus. He broke into the house and catching Mildred by surprise, shot her at the bottom of the stairs in her nightgown, which is just like undignified. Yeah. Dude. Janice was shot dead in a rocking chair with her sewing still in her hands. Ugh. The pool of her blood was so large it soaked through the floorboards. <gasps> And Trevor rested in his bed full of stuffed animals. Oh. While his family was being murdered, Lawrence was at his apartment in L.A. enjoying an evening at home with his girlfriend. Ugh. And how do we know this? Because he conveniently taped himself enjoying an evening at home with his girlfriend. What? He made sure to zoom in on the flashing date and time on the TV screen, then stepped in front of the camera to make sure his face was fully on the video. It was blatant that he did that to be like, hey, see, cops, see, I was here on that's, this date. I was I was totally home. It wasn't me. It's like that's the dumbest shit I've ever heard. He's in my never life. done that before. Why would you do it now? You're an idiot. Yeah. You trying to prove your innocence just proved that you are guilty in some way. Yeah. I feel like our stories are going to have a lot of similarities. Yeah. Ain't that some shit? That is some shit. It's almost like the balls on Brett. <laughs> like, <laughs> look at the balls on Brett over yeah. here. Yeah. He's like, if I do this, no one will ever know. Such a good plan. Even though it's so fucking blatant yeah. what you're doing. Nobody's Anyone ever going to know. Anyone can read through that. But Okay. And since Lawrence had an alibi, the police embarked on a massive investigation to find out who would do such a gruesome crime. Eventually, they landed on James Perry, but they didn't understand why a man from Detroit would come to Maryland to murder two women and a child and mm -hmm. then leave. And that's when their suspicions about Lawrence grew, especially after he immediately took up a court case to receive the million plus bucks he claimed he had a right to. Mm. And Millie's sisters fought him in court, claiming he was an unfit father and never cared about his children and didn't have a right to the money. And you know what? They ain't wrong. They ain't wrong. And Lawrence would never see the money. And in late July 1994, both he and James Perry were arrested. They were charged with three counts of first degree murder and one count of conspiracy. Only three months later, James was convicted of all three murders and was sentenced to death. Whoa. Yeah. Lawrence was also found guilty of all three murders and conspiracy in 1996, but was sentenced to life imprisonment. And he died in jail in February 2017. Wow. Yeah. I he, guess he was old enough. Yeah. Wow. I mean, he was probably born in the 40s. He must have, well, if he was a World War, World War II radio guy, he must have been born in the 30s. He was not in World War II. He was just on a World War II airline carrier. Oh, you know what? <laughs> That's why I said in the beginning he it was not in World, World War, War II. II. I just thought like you were saying he didn't fight in the war. 
No, he he was not in the war at all. But boys to men were on Motown records because of Motown <laughs> Philly, right? God, no. I'm not smart. <laughs> Don't play brain games with me right now. <laughs> I'm not up for it. Millie's family filed a lawsuit against Paladin Press, the company that published Hitman, saying the company was basically an accomplice to the murders. Yeah, I... They were irresponsible in publishing something like that. Yes. Much like the publishing company that published Anarchist Cookbook yes. was also kind of complicit in a lot of the crimes that were, you know, committed because of information people got from that book. Yeah. I always just feel like that's a slippery slope. It is. You it know? very much is. Yeah. It was settled out of court in 1999 with Paladin agreeing to discontinue sales of the book and pay thousands to the family. I mean, I'm definitely down with them being like, yeah, you know what? Not going to make this book anymore. Yeah, don't do it. Yeah, that's a slippery slope. I don't love it. Yeah, there was a whole documentary about the anarchist cookbook also. Yeah, I don't, I feel like I must have watched it, but. It's on Netflix. I don't remember anything. Yeah, but basically, Anarchist Cookbook inspired a lot of very bad things. And didn't it inspire the Unabomber? I think it inspired the Unabomber and Timothy McVeigh. Right. Um, but eventually the the author came out and was like, "Yeah, I totally do not stand by any of it anymore, and it's terrible." As a kid. Yeah, he was right? like, and he was just dumb. He was kid. like a, in his late teens, maybe early twenties, and he was just like, "Yeah, this is really cool, but you know, I don't really believe any right. of it." He never did any of that. Yeah, yeah, not at all. But then all of these crazy radical nihilist anarchists were like, "No, I'm taking this to heart, and I'm doing everything it says because all of it's true." Ah, uh, so what you're saying is we can't have nice things. That's exactly what I'm saying. I'm pretty sure that this is. The running theme. Oh, okay. Today is we At can't least, have nice things. Well, I think that's for yours for sure. And you know what's really weird is with Larry, I'm like, oh, should have fucking done it, you piece of shit. Yeah. Like, go fuck yourself. Are you serious? Get a job. But also, the system is fucked up, right? Because it totally sets you up to never be able to come ahead. Yeah. And also, um, this was a black man mm. who got. A lot of money and a lot of attention very early in his life mm-hmm. um, who didn't come from a whole lot and all of a sudden had too much. Right. And no one's probably pulled him aside and said, slow your roll. Yeah. like Put some of is, that shit in like investments. This is how you have to manage it. You can't just blow your wad every five minutes and have then have no money in 10 years. At least make a retirement fund. Right. So nobody did that for him. Nobody like... Barry Gordy didn't sit him down and be like, this is going to all going to go away someday. You need to plan. Right. Or just even, I don't know. It sucks to lose your job, but I assume also, too, if you play the game right, you could just get a job at a different record label. Or like, I don't know. Like, I don't know why you didn't play the game a little better. I don't think that he, he was not a Barry Gordy. He was not a Quincy Jones. He was not... One of those people who could make a name for themselves in one genre and easily transition it to a new genre. Yeah. I, I don't know. I don't, I, I know he had 
a job at some point like fixing computers. Yeah. It was wow. just like a, a crappy, you know, yep. job over at Dave's TV fixing, you know, old tube Ugh, TVs and that sucks. computers and shit. But like, I don't think he ever really tried to keep up with new technology when it came to recording. Nah, and man, stuff like you gotta that. be smart. You gotta like stay on that yeah. game. And he also made the mistake of staying with Motown way beyond way, way beyond Motown's staying yeah like staying the writing was on was the wall over. and he was like I'll just see and he's how like, this nope. turns out it's like this ship is sinking and he's like no I'm just gonna chill here and you know see if it writes itself it'll be fine this is yeah. fine yeah but he didn't I don't I don't know why but he just didn't go somewhere else you could have gone somewhere else if you yeah. are a sound engineer and you like computers and stuff that much but you know what at the end of the day you know what the real lesson is don't fuck your woman that you're separated from yeah and if you're gonna wrap it up bitch like there is no reason for you to be having unprotected sex with someone that you're pretty sure you're gonna divorce i also think that he may have had some like mental health issues that went unchecked. Oh. And also it sounds like his and Mildred's relationship was pretty uh bipolar. Wow. Like they would have really good highs and really low lows. That sucks. And it continued after they decided to separate. And that's how she ended up pregnant because they were on a really good streak. <sighs> but yeah, I think the relationship was very bad and probably toxic. And I think he had Mental health issues that were went unaddressed. Man. So there was a lot of factors that went into this bullshit. And also he seemed very, like, disaffected by his family. He he showed no interest in his children. That's, yeah. At all. The, it, and he was kind of resentful towards Trevor because after Trevor was born, mm-hmm. everybody was giving him attention and taking attention away from Larry but so, he has he's he's, he's basically disabled he's incredibly unable. disabled he's and unable can't to fend ever for himself. care for himself yeah 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 that's it's so, fine like he's not getting attention for a reason you would ever want to get attention Larry right so don't be jealous of your eight-year-old son so wait the guy who was sentenced to death was he executed I'm pretty sure I mean he was sentenced to death like what 30 years ago so he, had he could have just died in jail, too. He could have. Let's, let's be honest. Yeah. That's what happens half the time, anyway. Either way, fuck that guy. Like, Larry shouldn't have. And then, like, the street preach. This is all fucked up, and none of it makes sense. And you're almost like, I almost want to, like, understand and feel bad for you because the system's bullshit. Yeah. But then it's like, but you know what? Still not the answer to fucking kill your ex-wife and child and There is no person. excuse for doing that. Zero. Zilch. Yeah. Absolutely none. Unless it was 100% completely, genuinely an accident. Which, Which it, it really isn't. No. Ever. Really. No. Um, Hiring a hitman is not accidental. Yeah. But I mean, I would recommend listening to the podcast Hitman if you're interested in it. But I think my problem with it is that it comes at it not looking at the murders as the big, you know, to do in yeah. the whole story. They think that the lawsuit with Paladin Press is the big deal. And it's like, no. No. I think we're talking about like three innocent people getting murdered here. Yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna focus on that. 
Also, cool. fuck off. <laughs> yeah, like, also fuck off. He, you know what? He got exactly what he deserved. Yeah, I'm going to go with yeah. 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 Well, now now for yours. <laughs> no, I have a story. We're bringing it around. I'm bringing myself full circle. This is a fun one. With yeah. lots of crazy wigs. I'm so, so excited. Crazy wigs. Uh, I don't go into the wigs as much as I probably should have, but... <laughs> Here That's we okay. Are. We can we can uh, go off on a tangent about it. About wigs. Oh, yeah. No. But I think there will be a lot of correlations okay. between here. So allow me to set the scene. On February 3rd, 2003, very early in the morning, we're talking 4 a.m., Phil Spector walked out of his mansion, which he referred to as the Pyrenees Castle. Why? Because he's an asshole. What does that have to do with anything? He just, he's, he, that's like not the point. But like, is it full of great Pyrenees dogs? Because then I'd be into it. Yeah, it's not. Oh. And I think that's really his biggest mistake. That's a huge mistake. He's got wigs that look like great Pyrenees, I mean, though. We all know that Phil Spector is Joe Blue thing all over the place. He's making huge mistakes. But he doesn't realize it. He's oblivious to his huge mistakes. Yeah, he is. Anyways, he comes out of his home. Gun in hand, he looks at his driver and simply says, I think I've just killed someone. Is his driver just sitting out there? Like, Yes. Because <laughs> it's Phil Spector. Imagine being Phil Spector's driver. Oh, God. Yeah. That's a 24-7 job. That's a 24-7, like, why am I doing this? It's a 24-7 questioning my existence. <laughs> That's exhausting. Yeah. Uh, in its own 24-7 right. existential crisis. Yeah. That sounds about right. <laughs> the victim was an actress named Lana Clarkson, known for her role in Fast Times at Ridgemont High. She was also known for B-movies like Barbarian Queen and TV appearances on shows like Knight Rider and Wings. Wings? I love Wings. Love Wings. Love Wings. You guys don't know Wings? <laughs> she was 40 and working on a comeback when she was murdered by Spectre. Many argued Lana was washed up, her career had gone stale, and she didn't become the star she aimed to be. And I will admit, she didn't have this always a bridesmaid, never a bride kind of situation going. Mm -hmm. She was getting small roles here and there, but never- It doesn't sound yeah. like it was anything no, like a she major. Was, she was, I feel like she was always like, could see like that fruit that she wanted to grab, but just barely couldn't reach it. Yeah. That's what her career seems like to me. And maybe because, though, she was very much typecast as the busty babe, you know, kind of shuts up and just walks around and looks hot. Yeah. Uh, but she really wanted to play the funny girl and was always striving for more comedic work. Mm-hmm. And women aren't allowed to be funny. Well. Unless they're fat. The, le the rest of her life would not be a barrel of laughs. No, I mean, the fact that she even had to meet Phil Spector. Yeah. But yeah, only fat ladies are allowed to be funny. Guys. Yes. Guys. The closest she could get to scratching either itch was her work in B-movies. Many came to adore her in these low-budget fantasy films. As her career slowed down, she would supplement her income by running her own website where she sold autographed photos. So hmm. she learned with the times and learned how to run websites. Huh. Unlike Larry, who was like, I don't want to learn new technology. <laughs> when the early aughts approached, she began to work on a stand-up comedy act and created a showcase reel titled... Lana Unleashed. She also got herself a job as a hostess at the renowned House of Blues in L.A. Ooh. Yeah. She <laughs> was, was, that, was that before they became a chain? I think so. Oh, okay. 
it was, I don't know. I don't know how these things work. It's LA. I don't, I don't know her. <laughs> What's some real bullshit is there wasn't really any reason for Lana to be at Spectre's place that night except to pacify his unreasonable ego. Yeah, like, I, why was she there? She seems like a lovely lady, and he is quite, quite psychotic. So yeah, yeah. It, it is. I mean, I'll get to it, but it is hard to tell. She definitely, I think, had the idea of working at the House of Blues. They did see a lot of big wigs. Ha! Pun intended. <laughs> we do talk about wigs. Pun intended. <laughs> but honestly, like you know, a lot of the big names in Hollywood go there, so it's like you know, she's a big hostess there and mm-hmm. very pretty and personable, and hoping like somebody might recognize her and she can talk to them. Mm-hmm. So there was a bit of a, you know, this is going to help, but she's playing the game, right? You know, and that's smart. And she's good at it, you know? She seems like a person who was just really good to have at that place. Yeah. She's gorgeous. She's funny. She's nice. So, yeah. All right. Work it, girl. So, obviously, I'm talking about Phil Spector, the guy that we talked about in the Ramones episodes. Yeah. And I had alluded that he is banana nutcakes. Mm-hmm. And I, did, and I did mention that he murdered this woman. Yeah. And I just felt it would be apropos to finally just come full circle with it. And, like, here's the story of murder. On the murder episode. Here we go. So Spectre's night started as any of his other nights do. Crazy wigs and excessive amounts of alcohol. Yikes. Fucking that boy loved himself some Manischewitz. Oh, no. Remember that Concord grape wine we had yesterday? Oh, I know. Yeah, he would have loved that. That's disgusting. Yeah. He just loved his guns, his wigs, his Manischewitz wine. Did, were his lips always purple? Yes. <laughs> oh, wait. I mean, I Yo, can't imagine they wouldn't I be. Just, I'm picturing him with his giant wig and just like cracked chapped lips <laughs> with the line <laughs> of purple, purple on the inside. But I also take offense to that because I definitely have had nights like that. I might have been like oh, that yeah. yesterday where it's like just purple mouth. Yeah. Grape mouth. <laughs> he got graped in the mouth. It's like you're just making out with a little tube of concentrated grape juice oh (laughs) welch's is gonna sue you he went out for dinner and drinks with a friend just for a few hours it was just earlier in the evening and Mm -hmm. after they went home he went out with another friend for more drinks oh and this was kind of like later in the night oh you have early drinks you have late drinks exactly he's like oh it's like six or seven we're gonna have the early drinks and the dinner these are my early bird drinks yes and then at nine o'clock i'm gonna meet up with my other friend and then we're gonna have some more drinks Mm. so eventually he lands at the house of blues for yes what else more booze because it's pretty (laughs) easy to assume at this point that phil is relatively crunked yeah like I don't care how much Manischewitz, like, eventually you will get there. Uh, he is that guy that goes into the tasting room and says, oh, I really like this dessert wine. <laughs> oh, that's syrup, sir. <laughs> sir, that's just Concord grape jelly. Sir, you're drinking Concord grape <laughs> jelly mixed with grenadine. Can you please give this back oh to me? Oh, my God. <laughs> Yuck. Mm. His hangover barfs are going to be tie-dye. It was around midnight when he began to walk into a more private area of the club that was really allowed for, like, just special people. Mm. And when... It's just for people with weird wigs. (laughs) No, people with weird wigs, not allowed. (laughs) 
But on the way in, he and his friend were stopped by the hostess working the private party. Was she the wig police? She was like, wee, wee, that wig is unacceptable. What are you doing? You're going to wig that jail. That wig is out of this world. Get out. <laughs> oh, my God. I wish. Well, so hold on to your hat. Hold you, on to your hold wig. Hold on to your wig. Of course, the person who stopped him was Lana. Uh-huh. She said, ma'am, you aren't allowed ma'am. in here. She ma'am. Didn't, <laughs> she didn't recognize who Phil was because he was wearing a wacky wig. And he's like 5'5", five, five, maybe. <laughs> and so he's just a bit effeminate looking yeah, right now. Yeah, he's skinny. He's so short and skinny and he's wearing a crazy long wig. He basically looks like Andy Warhol in an even more ridiculous way. He looks like Andy Warhol's sister, Mandy Warhol. Mandy Warhol. (laughs) Yes. Just Andy Warhol's sister, Mandy. (sighs) The management quickly corrected Lana on her mistake and told her to treat him like royalty. (sighs) So then Phil got himself into the club and spent a few hours enjoying drinks. So Lana gets off work around 1 a.m., and by then, Phil's buddy left because they were like, I'm an adult and it's 1 a.m. and I I have to be an adult tomorrow. Also, my friend is crazy and I want to go home. Like, they probably are sitting there like, all right, if I bring him to the House of Blues, it's dark. I can lose him really quick and just say, hey, I got I to gotta bounce. Oh, God, I just oh, got a page. I, like, I got to take a leak so hard. Okay, I'll be right back. Bye. Bye. <laughs> runs out in front of the driver and like please don't tell him I'll I left. I'll call you later. No, it's okay. Bye. Bye. I love nugs. <laughs> so, for some bizarre reason, he insisted that Lana join him for a drink. Ugh. Now, I'm not sure if this is like a power play on his part, but there are staff who do say she did oblige. She okay. sat down, had a drink with him. But they did say, like, she wasn't super happy about it or super comfortable with it. It just happened. And I think there's just this air of Phil Spector that makes you feel like you kind of have to do what he says. Yeah. I mean, it might be the gunsy totes around. But also, I just think he just, for what it's worth, yeah. like, home dog does, like, have this air of confidence. <laughs> Undeserved confidence, I, honestly. They probably had a drink, maybe two drinks. And they kind of leave not too long after that and go back to his place. So it's probably around like, I'd say like maybe 2 a.m. Did he get her there by saying, how's about a little bit of friendly gunplay? <laughs> oh my God, I love friendly gunplay. I hope you have Concord's well, well scraped <laughs> fucking jelly for me to chug by the goddamn jarful. You want to see all my guns? I do, and I want to drink jelly right. while we do it. Well, let's go to my mansion. I got guns and wigs to sell ya. <laughs> I mean, like, hold on. You're making him sound way more delightful of a human than he really is. <laughs> Trying to make him sound psycho. I guess I'm not doing a good job. No, 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 because I kind of want to hang out with him. Maybe not for the gun point part, but, like, the wig yeah. part. I don't know. I'm kind of, I guess I'm way too much channeling Tom Cruise in... What's that? Jerry Maguire? Oh, yeah. I've never seen that. Just going to flip out. So when they get into the car, she tells the driver, Adriano de Souza, that this is going to be quick. She only intends to share one drink, then she's going to go home. Mm-hmm. And so he remembers, like, yeah, no, she just wanted to have a drink and go. She wasn't, like, super about it. But she was obliging and being, I think there was, like, a politeness and probably some, I'm going to play the game. All right. 
Yeah, I could make connections from this guy. Yeah. I mean, that's the gross thing about Hollywood, right? Yeah. Especially for women. Gotta play the game. Yeah. So the driver waits in his car while the two go inside. And it's about a couple hours later that Phil comes out and tells him of the incident. Mm -hmm. The driver didn't call 911 right away, but Phil's agent, Michelle Blaine... And after that, he calls the police because I think he was like, I don't know what to do. And she called the police, dumbass. But also, <laughs> like, keep Phil under wraps until the police get there. So when the police arrived, Phil was in his house pacing around like a fucking maniac. Mm-hmm. And the police find the body of Lana slumped over a fake Louis XIV chair, a <laughs> clear gunshot wound to the head. Yeah. The police arrest Phil on suspicion of murder. And posted a million dollar bond, which hooray for rich dudes, he easily paid off. Because mm-hmm. he's like running around saying, oh my God, but she like killed herself. I I can't help it if she kills herself. And they're just like, Because nah. that makes total fucking sense. Nah, right? bro. We're going to bring you in. Because first of all, you're manic and hammered. Yeah. Like he was his hammered. Yeah. And they're like, nah, dude. His mugshot. Is legendary. Oh my god! Take a hot second. Just Google Phil Spector mugshot. Oh, one of the best. My god, they made him take his wig off for it. Yeah, it was so good. Cause you know what? He's simply the best. <laughs> He's simply the worst. <laughs> he is the fucking worst, though. So there's a large media frenzy around this whole event, but none more so than with the trial. Phil made this an opportunity to be a spectacle oh, yes. because it's Phil Spector. Spectacle? Spectacle. He made it a Phil Spectacle. <laughs> he came in with a hot young wife, a deluge of bodyguards, and the wildest wigs you have ever seen. Wait, he was married? Yeah, he married some 26-year-old chick who I think thought, oh, if I marry Phil Spector right now, that's going to be really good for my career. Oh, no. And then Phil Spector went off and like, Nah, I'm going to murder someone, though. <laughs> you stay here, honey. I'm going to go murder. Actually, I do believe they got married after the murder, which might be worse. Yeah. So just so I can show you some of the brilliant wigs of Phil Spector, he comes in with this, like, blonde page boy wig. That's like Princess Diana. Yeah, but, like, ugly. <laughs> like, he wishes it like, was Princess Diana. bad Princess Diana. Yeah. So My favorite is this one. Oh, yeah. So one of the best is just this weird fro wig that he wears for a while. And it seems to keep getting bigger every time he is in court. It looks like a cross between Bride of Frankenstein and Young Einstein. But in all the worst ways. Yeah. This is not a good thing. Again, if you can just go ahead and Google Phil Spector trial wigs, you're you're welcome, first yeah. of all. But yeah, I mean, like, he has, like, blatantly terrible fucking Some wigs. of them are real Bon Jovi. I think that some of one's, them. That one was Richie Sambora, like, I to think a he T. wishes it was Richie Sambora. That's what I'm saying. That's what he was going for. I didn't say he nailed it. Oh, you're right. You're right. <laughs> but so I think I think it was at this wig. I don't remember exactly which wig it was, but I think it was at the fro wig uh-huh. where it got, like, just massive where the judge said yep. you, it was either the judge or his lawyer was like, you gotta stop wearing these. Cra- like, he was demanded <laughs> to no longer wear crazy fucking wigs. I remember that. Like they said, nope. Yeah. Pump the fucking brakes. Your wigs were done with them. Yeah. I remember that hitting the news like 
He's in the middle of a murder trial, but all the headlines were, Judge tells Phil Spector to stop wearing ridiculous wigs. And everybody's like, he murdered someone. Yeah. Did we forget? He killed somebody. But maybe, too, he was like, I don't want these wigs to bring him joy. So good for you, Judge. (laughs) For what it's worth, the judge was not taking any bullshit. Yeah. So good for you. He hired O.J. Simpson attorney Robert Shapiro to represent him on the defense. Oh, my God. John Travolta. Is that the John Travolta one? Yeah. I thought he was the other one. Nope. John Travolta was uh, Robert Shapiro. Robert Shapiro. Yeah. With the eyebrows. So the defense goes to task. They went to work providing Phil's innocence by doing what else but blaming the victim. Of course. Welcome to blaming the victim. White man's defense forever. Yeah. (laughs) So his story about what happened, like I said before, was that Lana killed herself. He said she found one of his guns, put it in her mouth, and killed herself. Yeah, just found a gun and was like, I'm going to kill myself now. Yep. This woman, who has never been to his home, never met this dude. Had no idea that he had guns, probably. Did, yeah, because she didn't know who the fuck he was. She right. She was like, oh, it's a woman. <laughs> Philippa Spectora. <laughs> uh, That's a very adorable harry potter character oh it is (laughs) make that happen in fan fiction thank you anyway yeah it tells the driver like yo this is gonna be quick like why would you kill yourself Mm. with a gunshot like a gun in the mouth also guns are pretty much like very much not something that women use that is not a mode of suicide for women Um, men yes women no Where exactly was she shot anyway? So it literally was through the mouth. It was, the gun was in the mouth and it went through the back of her head. Huh. Right. That's, that's a very strange way to kill somebody. Yeah. Well, it's a very strange way to kill yourself. Yeah. Okay. No, it's a strange, like if he did it, it's a very strange way to shoot somebody. No, I think it makes sense. I'll, I'll. I'll paint a better picture and you'll be like, oh, never mind. This all makes sense. Yeah. The defense built the case that she was so depressed about how little she managed to do with her career that she discovered Spectre's penchant for guns and took this as a perfect opportunity to end it all. Look at this terrible actress with her shitty career. She's She's, ugly, too. She's ugly and she hates herself. And she gained weight. And guess what? She saw a gun and she just... Shot herself with That's it. That's what women do. Because they're crazy. God. They're hysterical. And they actually, what was really gross is they did have a couple people come to, um, I think a, people, a couple people who knew her to come to attest to her depression. Because she was depressed. Like, she was bummed out. Like, yeah. You know what? She did feel worthless. She did feel like she ha- wasn't but this, doing was what she was supposed to do. this real depression or was she just really bummed? I think she was depressed. I mean, she was on some medications okay. here and there. And, like, of course. But, like, I have fucking depression and I'm on medication. And if someone murdered me, I'd be mad as fuck if somebody was like, Maggie walked into their house and shot herself in the mouth. Because, first of all, I am not shooting myself. Right. If, if that ever happened... To you, <laughs> everyone. And somebody was like, nope, Maggie just went into the stranger's house, saw a gun, sh- shot herself. I would be like, bullshit. Yeah. That is complete bullshit. That never happened. You need to investigate a murder. Precisely. Jesus. Anyway, I'm just, it's mad. It makes me mad. Anyway, yeah, every cites her failing career. 
And some had gone as far to say that she was in Spectre's home in an attempt to use his fame for her status. And there were also claims that she killed herself after having sex with Phil, Phil because she was so ashamed, which I want to be like, y'all, I mean, hold up. That's, that's the most logical explanation right but there. But also, like, damn, Phil, I would not use that because, like, what does that make you look like? Yeah, but also they're already making her out to look like a shitty failed actress. So yeah. he can be a shitty failed sex partner. Good. Yeah. He is, though. Like, I bet he's terrible. Yeah. I, I have no doubt he's the worst in bed. But actually, in the autopsy, they did check her for any signs of intercourse, willing or forced, and Mm -hmm. they found nothing. So there's pretty much, like, no chance she had any kind of sex with Phil. Yeah. And I'm sure he tried, and I'm sure she was like, nah, bro, I'm good. That's going to be no from me, dog. Yeah. Meanwhile, the prosecution decided to do a deep dive into Phil's history with guns and treating women like garbage. Hmm. All right. I get it. Everybody was probably sitting here expecting me to like, uh, uh, Phil Spector. He made the wall of sound. Oh my God. He made such amazing, you know, bands happen like the Ronettes, of course. And he worked with Ike and Tinta Turner and he worked with the Beatles and the Ramones and he did all this amazing work and George Harrison. And yes, yeah. Phil Spector did some amazing work that doesn't make him okay to do this bullshit. Yeah. And like, I'm not going to celebrate his... I think I think plenty of people celebrate his goodness. I want to come in and show you what he's done to other musicians. Who also are very celebrated. It's kind of funny because like, I don't actually see a whole lot of people celebrating Phil Spector anymore. Hmm. I think if this murder trial... If he was just normal through the whole thing. If he didn't try and say that she killed herself and if he didn't wear the ridiculous wigs and try to get all the attention, I think people would still be singing his praises. Interesting. But because he made a spectacle of himself, everyone can point a finger and laugh at him and not take him so seriously anymore. Which is depressing because even if you take away the wigs and the defense... He still murdered someone. And he's like... Here, let me get into it because yeah. he's done some shit. Um, In case you didn't listen to our Ramones episode, which, what are you doing? Those were great episodes. Yeah. Of course, you know, we tell you about how he basically held the Ramones by gunpoint. Which, fuck you. I, like, I know Marky tries to downplay it. I 100% believe he held them by gunpoint. Yeah, I don't care um, if he held him at gunpoint or was just, like, talking with his hands and had a gun in his hand. That's still a fucking threat. That is still a threat and that is still fucking terrifying and I would be out of there. Well, and if you listen to other people talk about the way he held, like, saying that they felt like they were held at gunpoint, it's the same fucking thing. Where, yeah. like, he has his gun and, like, you're sure you want to leave? He doesn't have to point it at them. It's just they see a gun in his hand and they're like, I don't want him to fucking shoot me. Yeah. Because he's probably just waving it around all willy-nilly, like... Marky probably just fell asleep on the fucking couch during, like, one of the movies or something and was like, oh, I woke up, I was fine, I didn't care. Yeah. Sorry, Marky, I like you, but I think you're wrong about downplaying what (laughs) Phil Spector did. But he also did bullshit like this with other musicians, too. Like John Lennon, where he actually shot... So apparently he shot the gun off in the room when he was working with him. Yeah, like he had the gun and he's yelling at John and it accidentally goes off and John like actually like plugs his ears and he's like, Phil, if you're going to ki- if you're going to kill me, just kill me. But don't fuck with my hearing. I need that. <laughs> and I'm like, 
All right, John Lennon. All I right. usually don't that always. There's one moment where I'm like, no, that's funny. John Lennon and the bipolar disorder I have of my feelings for you. I'm going to put that in the positive. That's kind of cute. Yeah. I feel I feel like I appreciate that. One check mark in the pro column. Yeah. But he actually didn't keep it to just musicians he worked with. He also used them against women who either weren't succumbing to his advances or even if they just weren't doing things exactly the way he told them to do it. Mm-hmm. Like, I saw clips of women testifying about, I mean, I would have done it just fine. He could have just been romantic, but he wanted to actually rape me. So he would hold me. He held me at gunpoint and made me have sex with him. But I wanted to have sex with him. Is it kind of like if I threaten you with a gun, it makes the sex better? better? Which, that's a fucking, fucking like bold ass like signal for a fucking sociopath. Yeah. Fucking serial killer. Yeah. Yeah. But okay, you need the thrill to get off. Yeah. Which is gross. And then like, but yeah, the way some women would say like. With this tiny little garlic knot of a dick. Yeah, the tiniest <laughs> little garlic knot of a dick. Yeah. Where he's like, mm, look at my garlic knot dick. Take me seriously. <laughs> Let me dip it in your butter. Mm. Ew. That's disgusting. Oh, God. Is that? But I bet he probably, he would say something like that. He probably would, because he's the worst. Um. Yeah, and there were other women who would say, you know, they'd come out and like leave a room and go into another room and he would stop them and be like, I told you to just take your fucking clothes off get back in the bed and do the thing and it's like it, he would use guns all the time the prosecution had many women from phil's life come in testify about all this like i said i heard some of the clips mm-hmm. you can find it on youtube um he would basically just sexually assault them emotionally abuse them even if they were like but i like you and want to do things with you so you don't have to do okay you're just psychotic person who didn't testify but would probably know about all of this better than anyone would be his ex-wife ronnie bennett mm. or you know the ronettes yeah the, ronnie like, ronnie of the, the ronettes, ronettes. The i would ronettes. say she is the ronette their marriage was toxic in every way imaginable i don't want to go too crazy deep into the shit show but just a few things that this trash person did to ronnie mm-hmm not long after they married, he actually dissolved the Ronettes, basically separating her from her friends and family. Because mm-hmm. they were like, all right, we're going to do more music. And he's like, no, nah, we don't have to anymore. Bye. And he just like dragged Ronnie away. Mm-hmm. So that's cool. One day, he shows her a glass coffin that he purchased. Okay. It's like the one in Snow White. It's okay. totally see-through. Uh-huh. And he said he bought it for her. And that's where she would be if she ever tried to leave him. Wow. Yep. Also, he, one day she comes home and there's just twin boys in the yard. Like they drove up to the yard or like the house together and there's just twin boys up in the yard. And he's like, surprise. Surprise. These are our children. Yes. He got her twins as a surprise present. That's not a present. That is a lifelong commitment that if you're not ready for, oh, it's going to suck. Yeah. Yeah. And it was just fucked too because it's like. I think it must have felt a little bad to her. And I think, like, because she's, she's a woman of color. Yeah. And Phil's white. He gets these two little white boys. Oh, come on, dude. Like, I, it's just like he's trying to change her in every way possible and make her a slave for him. He kept her prisoner in the Pyrenees Castle for months until, with the help of her mother, she managed to escape the locked down barbed wire house. And, like, got the fuck out. She wasn't even wearing shoes. Jesus Christ. But she managed to escape. 
What happened to the kids? I don't know. I think um, I read little snippets here and there. I think they stayed with Phil for a while. I think they actually eventually um, accuse him of abuse years down the line. Yeah. Because. Well, of course. <laughs> yup. I believe it. So back to the trial, though. Mm-hmm. So at the end of it all, to really just bring this whole thing home, mm-hmm. the prosecution brings out his driver, Adriano de Souza. Mm-hmm. And they had him testify about what he saw that night because he was the only person who was with him from beginning to end. He could paint a clear picture. He drove him to his dates with friends. He drove him to the House of Blues. He came out and saw um, Phil with the gun and saying, I think I killed somebody. It's so funny that like the driver is always kind of key to all of these murder trials. Oh, of course, the staff is always like, yeah, I know what happened. You see everything. You just ignore us, but we see everything. Oh, we, we know what you did. Yeah. Of course, the defense tried to say that Adriano's English was very poor, which it wasn't. <laughs> And he misunderstood what Phil, spe- these, Phil said, which he didn't. These fucking women and these foreigners, they just, they don't know what they're talking about. Right. They're like, he didn't understand properly. He didn't they say just, he thinks he killed someone. He said he thought someone was dead. They, and- they just, you know, haul off and kill themselves and don't know English. Yeah. And it's like. How dare they? The driver can come out and say, nah, I was with him all night. He was fucking toasted. <laughs> Lana was a little tipsy, but didn't want to stay. He came out covered in blood. So, and here's the thing, too. So, he comes out with this gun. Uh-huh. And the forensics were really weird in this. Like, he comes out with a gun in his hand. Lana's hmm. hands were covered in gunpowder. Okay. And then Phil's were not. Okay. Phil didn't have any blood on him, but also she got shot in the mouth. Uh-huh. You wouldn't really have a lot of spit back. From the mouth. It's all going to go out the back of the head because of the way the trajectory works. Right. And so, like, they were, like, forensics was a big battle. But, like, likely what happened is he stuck the gun in her mouth and had her hold it. Yeah. Or, like, I don't. Like, this is going to look like you killed yourself. Yeah. Like, he basically probably had the gun. She's probably scared. Had her hold the gun like she's going to kill herself and then pulls the trigger. Uh So that's why there's, there is a, I think, like. A smidge of gunpowder on his hands, but like there's a ton on Lana's. Yeah, it's it's just the forensics are so fucking weird in this. So at the end of all of this, the jury deliberates for twelve days. Wow. When they come back, they are deadlocked, ten Ugh. to two, making it a hung jury. Ugh. So what I've heard in different interviews and articles is that it sounds like the foreman. Yeah, right. The foreman is uh-huh. the guy in the jury who's like the head juror. Yeah, right. He didn't understand precisely what reasonable doubt was. He seemed like he was like, well, there's no evidence that he did it, so there's reasonable doubt. No, that's not how that works. Yeah, they hired an idiot to be a juror. How did he become the foreman? Because, well, and that was the thing, too. And then there was one guy who went with him just because, like, well, he's the foreman, so he knows what's right. No, that's not how this works. There was whispers that some people on the jury were bought. Yeah, I mean, I could see it. Yeah, I mean, he's got the money. So a year later in 2008, there was a new trial. This one focused a lot on forensics, again, with the defense claiming that there wasn't enough blood or gunpowder found on Spectre for him to have done it. And they focus a lot on this jacket that was found in his closet with a few spatters of Lana's blood, which why is it in the fucking closet? 
Yeah, that's weird. Right? But they find it in this closet, and they uh, claim that there's not enough blood spatter, though, for him to have been that close to her. But again, like, other forensic scientists are saying, no, because of how she was shot, she's not going to have a lot of blood coming right. from the front. It's all going to go out the back. So if you're standing close to her... You might not get all that much blood on you. Right. But the particles that are coming at you, they're going to get on you. Yeah. Because you're that close. And also, like, it did take them, like, I think it happened around, like, four. And if they didn't get around there until around five, like, he has some time to clean up. And he's pacing around and he's acting manic. So he probably cleaned up a little. Yeah, he probably changed his clothes probably three times. Maybe. Because he changed his wig at least three times. (laughs) But the prosecution brought in more autopsy evidence that they came across, saying that there was bruising on Lana's tongue. One of the coroners found bruising on her tongue. That would only happen if someone forced the barrel of a gun into her mouth. There you go. Like, you're not going to force a gun barrel into your mouth, but someone else is going to shove it into your mouth. So the way her bruising was, was like, nah, someone else had to have shoved that into her mouth. Right. So once again, the jury deliberates, and this time around, they finally found him guilty. (laughs) Spectre tried everything he could, from money to hiring four different lawyers. He didn't have his O.J. Simpson lawyer for long. He had three more after it. (laughs) It was buff-fucking nanas. He hired, like, a guy who worked with mobsters in New York. He hired this chick that he had a weird relationship with, which apparently that Phil Spector movie with Al Pacino and, uh, was it Robert De Niro? I don't know. I always confuse them. And Helen Mirren, and they're in it, and, like, HBO had it. I don't know. I don't know. Apparently but I, f- it's- I feel like Al Pacino looks more like Phil Spector. Right? Yeah. Anyway, but, yeah, that's based on their weird relationship. And then, like, some other dude. Weird. But he had to hire so many fucking lawyers because never worked and also he had all the wigs money could buy and he just tried to paint himself in the best light but in the end his garbage behavior finally fucking caught up to him because at the end of the day you keep playing with guns it's gonna go off someday and yeah. it's gonna fucking kill someone yeah and that's what i think honestly happened i don't think he intended to kill anna I think he wanted to scare her. I think he wanted her to fuck him. Yeah. I think he wanted to show power and like shoved a gun in her mouth and it probably accidentally went off. Maybe it went off because she's trying to push it out and he's trying to push it in and he fucking hits the trigger. And that could be how she got the gunpowder on her Her hands. Right? I mean, there's so many fucking... It's just... Like, look at the fucking behavior. Again. Yeah. It's just that same story of if you keep letting someone behave badly... Someone is going to get hurt and everything is going to be awful. Yeah. But everyone was like, well, that's just Phil. No. No. That's not, not how it works. Um, At the end of the day, though, he was sentenced to 19 years to life in jail, which is where he will likely die because he is good. still there. I hope he does. Me too. Because dying in prison is anticlimactic. And, and that's, that's what, what he, he deserves. deserves. Truth. But yeah, again, more frustrating stories about... Men just, getting away with things. Or just men being a lot. Like, if you think about it and you see bad behavior from someone, why not stop them? Have a conversation. Say, hey, raise a red flag. Maybe this way, like, you could prevent someone from getting murdered. Yeah. You, you could prevent someone from hiring a fucking hitman. We should have a system like that episode of Black Mirror 
where you can rate people and it follows them around. Oh, no. But instead of doing a rating, you just do red flags. Oh, no. Like, yo, red <laughs> like, flag on this guy. How many red flags does this person have? Is it enough to be like, okay, I can deal with that? Or is it like, oh, no, I'm not going near them? Right. Because there are plenty of people, you know, who are like, they're just annoying, but they're harmless. Yeah. And then there's plenty of people you're like, I think they're an incel. Yeah. We should make that app. We should. Red no, flags. we shouldn't. That's another slippery slope. <laughs> no. I hate slippery slopes. Anyway, thanks guys for listening to our terrible, terrifying true crime episode. Always fun to do. Always fun to hear about how people are terrible. Just the fucking worst. Yeah. Thank you guys for listening. Appreciate you. If you're digging what's going on, come visit our website, www.rockcandypodcast.com. And over there, you're going to find more episodes, and you can find all the links to our social meds. We got the Instagrams and the Facebooks and the Twitter, even though social media is toxic and terrible. But if you want to just, you know, like even just email us and chat, we're down with that. Hmm. You want to get away from politics? We're your people. Yeah. So we will always complain about how we fucking hate rich people. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, and invite you to eat the rich at every single episode. Yes, always eat the rich. Also, check out our network, Pantheon Podcast Network. Thank you guys for letting us be a part of the glass menagerie of music podcasts that we got going on there. So go check them out, because helping them helps us. And you can also go on over to our Patreon. That's patreon.com slash Podcast. You can give us your money and we'll give you stuff in return. Swag, swag. Some swag and some bonus episodes every month. Yeah. That's and, always fun. And also, if you want to give us more money and get even cooler things in exchange. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I think we have cool things. All of our stuff is cool. We are cool. But this is cool stuff you can wear. You can always go to our merch store on Teespring. Just search for Rock Candy Podcasts and we have a whole bunch of clothings and stuff. You can get a hoodie. It's getting cold out there. It's getting a little chilly. Get a it little is. hoodie. Get yourself a hoodie. Get yourself a nice new face mask because we got yeah. these for at least another year or two. Yeah. So, and, you know, it's very comfortable. I like it. Yeah. I need to fix mine. Yeah. We'll get that. I tried to fix it. still not big enough because my face is fat. <laughs> and I have a child head. <laughs> it's fine. Yeah. Anyway, come back next week for more spoopy tales from October. We're going to brighten it up a little bit. Yeah. Because I'm sick of wanting to fucking just lay in my bed and die every day. I'm sick of hating everything. Right? Let's. We're but also I hate everything. So yeah. it's hard when that is just in your bones. It's a real chicken or the egg situation, isn't it? What came first, me or the hate? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. It was oh. all born. Born in one. You were born of this. My Do soul and the hate are entwined forever. Yes. That's fair. That's good. Anyways, come back <laughs> next week. Maybe less hate. Maybe more fun. Maybe and some special guests. Ooh, special guests. Someday. Yeah. Maybe. Maybe. Anyway, uh, that'll be it for this week. But uh, we'll see you guys next week. And until then, party on, Ashley. Party on, Maggie. And party on your crazy kids out there. Bye. Fly on the wind.